All right, and welcome everyone to another episode of the Casanova Podcast. A uh, special shout out to the sponsor of this video, Melon. If you're looking for a new way to do podcasts, live streams, and record videos, utilize Melon app. The affiliate code will be down below if you want to get signed up and try it free for 14 days. Today on this episode of the Casanova Podcast, I have my really good friend, Gerald C. Rivers, world famous voice actor, the legendary in bison himself as well as suga from legend of zelda breath of the wild gerald how you doing man out here in hawaii loving it so far i me and hawaii are becoming <laughs> really good friends and uh the spirit of aloha is all over me and uh the fact that i have ohana like yourself and friends here and friends on Kauai is making this uh a very attractive potential <laughs> home for me. Definitely, definitely. And this is what what trip number is this? Out this here? is only my second trip. Last time I was here in May, mm-hmm. and I spent a week here in Honolulu and a week in Kauai. And I really fell in love with Kauai. Honolulu is nice, uh, but it's a little city. Yeah. Um, and Kauai is very much like feels like the country and. Uh, I'm over there checking it out to make sure I'm not crazy to see <laughs> if I really I'm going to live in Hawaii or if I just got a little island fever when I was here. But um, I think I think it's more than that. I think the people, the culture, the food, the land, mm-hmm. the the respect um, are all very, very inviting and make it almost impossible for me to say i'm not going to live here i mean everything so far has been like a sign i would say yeah there, there's things that really just fallen into place i got a chance to play tonight with uh a african drum class or dance class that i did some drumming for i brought my drum i'm gonna do some drumming in Kauai on friday and saturday and I just signed with a new agent here in Hawaii for film and television and a little voiceover. So um, all of those things bode extremely well for me, uh, first visiting even more, mm-hmm. and second, I got a lot of stuff in L.A., uh, but second, making the move to relocate to be in this on this beautiful pieces of rock in the ocean out here i love it well i mean one thing i i I'm, you know i've known you for years now and from the first conversation we had like i just got this impression for you you're just super laid back very <laughs> spiritual very in tune with yourself and, yeah, yeah. and it's so opposite of the characters that you portray oh yeah <laughs> i'm some of them some of them I, i've had the opportunity to uh sort of bring that peace, love, wisdom, peace. Of course, you know, I do Martin Luther King. And then Mm -hmm. I did the role of Pua on uh, Disney's Lion Guard. Mm -hmm. And Pua was like the head of the crocodiles. And he had to have a big fight of Mashindano. But ultimately, he became a confidant to the king and somebody who was very wise. And also, it's interesting. I know people see it one way, but... uh, in the Final Fantasy series, X Death, mm-hmm. to me is not pure evil. He's he's conquered the things that most people fear, mm-hmm. and so he no longer fears those things and allows him to 
operate in a way that is not motivated by fear. And I'd like to think that some of the characters are not motivated by fear or anger and, and neither am I. And some of them are fun. Yeah. I mean, it's great to be angry and to get paid for it and nobody actually gets hurt. I love that. And there's some balance. So yeah, who I am is very laid back and people are often surprised sometimes when they, discover the character work that I do and even the work as Martin Luther King because he wouldn't necessarily be considered laid back particularly when he's <laughs> speaking it's very forceful and out there and in your face and and so I'm lucky I'm grateful that I get to explore and express all these different parts of me uh in my work yeah yeah definitely and one of the other things too uh with you know we've gone through this whole pandemic and yeah. it's changed up so much you know both in the country and around the world but it's changed the voice acting industry i know we were talking about that earlier yeah. where now it's like well previously it's either california or texas for recording now it's if you got a booth and a setup there you go <laughs> i think part of what happened when the pandemic first hit um those guys like myself who had a broadcast quality home studio mm-hmm. and had the experience and had the contacts and had the representation. And you have a fantastic setup. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm really grateful. <laughs> I mean, I spent the money and built it just for voiceover. So I don't have stuff. I'm not laying tracks. I'm not trying to get several different instruments. That booth mm-hmm. is designated to my work as a voiceover artist. But what the pandemic did was initially nobody was going into the studio to record. Right. And so then only those people who had a legit setup, but they also had to have the contacts, they had to have the talent, they had to have the experience. And so when you narrowed it down to the people who had contacts, experience, great representation, relationships, and a quality booth, um, there were a handful of guys who were working. And then folks like Disney got smart and said, some of the people we want to work with don't have a setup at home. So Disney, for a time, was sending equipment via a courier to your front door. Wow. So if you booked a job with Disney, they would send this, the equipment out to your front door. You didn't have to have the setup. You would go in. You would use the equipment. When you were done, you would put it in a box, put it back on the front porch, and they would pick it up. But what really happened was these smaller studios that were VO recording studios, they weren't working. And people built up their home studios and the industry, not only in voiceover, but in film and television in general, realized we don't have to have people coming to a casting office. We don't have to have people coming to a studio. So the joke is that the voiceover industry has always been the pajama business anyway. I Mm -hmm. mean, the idea that you could get the audition, you could print it, record it, give it back to your agent. Your agent could submit the audition. You could get the job. They send the contract in the email and you sign it and scan it and send it back. And then you could do the job from home with Source Connect or other ways. I mean, I was here and worked on a project for some folks in Washington, D.C., and we didn't even use Source Connect. They are able to direct 
the session from my iPhone, just listening, knowing that there's quality equipment. When we're done, we just send them the entire file. But the idea that people could work from home and you get the check and everything before you ever leave home, um, that's now grown exponentially. Yeah. So now you don't have to go into the studio for just about, there are a couple people, they're still pretty top secret. I mean, I went in for this, uh, legends of zelda business they weren't going to send me a script at home and have that potentially leak out yeah, yeah get into the wrong hands and uh there's some talk of uh street fighter and if that happens it they're not going to send that out mm -hmm. but the vast majority of work that's out there they can send it to your house and the directors can patch in through Source Connect and talk in your ear and direct the session in real time. And what's going into the microphone is going directly to the engineers in the editing bay anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. So the industry has tilted and shifted towards you got to have your own setup. For years, people would ask me, like, you know, I want to get into voiceover and what do you think I should do? And I got to have. They were like, I got to have a website and I got to have a microphone. And I got to have a setup. And I would say, you got to have talent and you got to have training. And you got to mm -hmm. have contacts because even if you've got all of that stuff, if nobody knows who you are, what good does it do you? Right. Well, the industry's changing now. Like you got to have all that stuff. You got to have a legit demo and you got to have a recording setup that they can feel confident about that is broadcast quality from day one. So if people are serious about it and want to get into it, got to get a great demo reel and you got to have a setup because the, all the auditions are happening at home and now the jobs are happening from home studios. And I think after COVID and God only knows when that's going to be, I don't think we're going back to a situation where everybody's going into the studio to record. People have invested and built studios and equipment in their own homes. So I think that's the way of the industry going forward. Yeah. It's, I think the whole, um, the whole concept of just working from home in general, it's, uh, a whole new booming yeah. industry. Yeah. And there's pushback from a lot of corporations about that. And I don't kind of understand that now because it's like, okay, we have to social distance. Even if you get the vaccination, you still need to, you know, social distance and, and, you know, wash your hands and everything like that. But working from home has become over the last year kind of like the new standard. The studies <laughs> show that there are a lot of people who are far more productive from yeah. home than they were in that office and cubicle setting where they were clock watching anyway. And the fact that people can spend more time with their family and their loved ones. And like you have a baby and yeah. the new baby <laughs> can hang out with dad from home. I think that's great. I, the, Film and television, the motion picture industry, and even commercials has gone that way as well. You can't record, obviously, from home, but everybody's doing what they call self-taping. Mm -hmm. So whereas we used to go to these casting houses all over Hollywood, now you do that from home too and send it in and you book the job and you go to set when you've got the job. But all of that beforehand stuff is happening via remotely on a self-tape is what they're calling it now. But I think lots of businesses and industry has discovered 
let the people stay home. One, they've got less overhead putting all those people in an office building somewhere. And two, they don't have the inner office drama and tension that (laughs) that exists in every company. And three, because of that, some of these people have proven that they're more productive and they're saving money. They don't have to drive to work. They're not commuting. They're not buying gas. They're staying home. They're having lunch at home with their family. So I think, you know, COVID is interesting as it has been it has reminded us if not informed us one that we need each other and two that we can operate from a distance and still be effective in almost everything we do yeah not everything but almost (laughs) (laughs) i i think back to when i was working at the hospital back when uh we first met how long has it been four years it feels like it's been four or so. Maybe a little more than that. I have some Goodness. frames of reference, but I'd rather not think about what they are. But <laughs> or who they are, but it's right? been a little while. Um, yeah, so I think back to when I was working at the hospital. I was six days a week, 17 hours a day. Yeah. Office politics, office drama. Mm-hmm. I don't miss it. And it's, I don't blame you. I miss the paycheck. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't miss all the other stuff that comes with it because it's just, even with the, the company I worked for, the hospital, they, um, they're they struggling with the work from home aspect because they don't want to do it. And it's like, okay, for certain things, doctors, nurses, yeah. okay, you need to be there. But when it comes to like, Operators, people uh, doing HR. Yeah, even like, the med- medical billers, they yeah. physically need to be in the, the hospital, especially in a hospital where there's high risk for exposure. Right. And those people aren't, you know, they're in an office someplace. Yeah. So I, I hope we will graduate and elevate into a place, not only as a country, but as a world where it's revalued to be able to work from home and be more productive because you get to spend more time with your family. Yeah. I know some people are probably going crazy. Like I I have to get away (laughs) from my family, but there's some people who were not with their family and their families are better for having them home. Yeah. definitely. So speaking of Hawaii potentially becoming a new home for you, Um, what are some of the things that you love about out here? And is Ohana really a myth? A lot of people think Ohana spirit is a myth. No, Ohana (laughs) and Aloha are real. It's a feeling. And, um, one, I mean, the food is great and you can get, you know, sort of traditional stuff, but the idea that there's so much fresh fruits and vegetables here. And that sounds strange for me being a meat eater. But they taste so good. Did you see the, the monk area right there? It's like the monk monastery right here at the end of the street. No. They have a whole garden. Oh, yeah, show that to you. Before you so here's an example. <laughs> I learned about these uh, banana trees that mm-hmm. only basically produce fruit one time. And then after that, the bananas are removed and the trees have to be cut down because they're not going to bear more fruit. But the idea that there are people who will say, okay, 
we're going to plant another tree. And last time I was here, I, we were using the root of a banana tree to smash, to put in a underground pit where we were cooking. So the idea that things are being recycled mm -hmm. and reused, and even I think I went and had Asahi bowls and the bowl was not plastic, but made from organic, natural, really recyclable materials. The idea that you can go to the beach and watch the sunset. I know that that sounds like not a big deal, but I call them the sunset worshipers here in Hawaii. Like in Kauai, every evening, there were like at least a dozen different beaches that I would go to. And they're just people sitting there watching the sun go down. They're not playing loud music. They're not screaming and hollering. And also, you know, Honolulu and Oahu are a little busier yeah. than Kauai. But I didn't hear sirens. I didn't see police cars. I didn't hear helicopters. I saw lots of chickens and heard the chickens crowing. <laughs> but that didn't bother me. And um, the 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 ocean has such a draw. Now, some people are trying to tell me, be careful, you might get drawn in. You might get uh, island fever where you feel like, <laughs> oh, I got to get off this island. But the idea that you can hop on a plane and be in uh, Oahu or on the big island or on the mainland, you know, in a matter of hours makes that not so big a deal, but people are kind. And and I and I know to a certain degree some of that is taken for granted. But you know, you can go in the deep south where people will speak, but you are you're also in the deep south where you can make a wrong turn yep. and, and be someplace <laughs> as a person of color where you do not want to be. Yeah. I don't feel like in Hawaii in all the time that I've been here that I've experienced, oh my God, I don't belong here. I can't go here. I shouldn't be over here. And the other night uh, in Kauai, so the friends who invited me and are hosting me over there now, mm -hmm. one of the ladies had a car accident. Somebody rear-ended her and the kid who hit the back of her car took off. And then my initial thought was, oh, that's so sad because I didn't think that kind of thing would happen. And of course, things happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. But there was another driver who saw the accident and followed the drunk driver and took a picture of his license plate and then brought it back to the lady who he did not know and yeah. shared with her, wanted to make sure she was okay and had some water in his car. And she was fine. She, she wasn't hurt as far as I know. And she took that picture and she posted it on Facebook on a Kauai Facebook page and said, here's the license plate. This person hit me. And within minutes, there were a host of people saying, I know whose car that is. And then the person who owned the car called her and said, that was my car. I wasn't driving the car. I think the police took her to where he was and she identified him and said no that's not who was driving the car but that's the car and he said look i don't want you to worry about it i have insurance we're going to take care of your car we're going to take care of you but the young man who took the picture and brought it back to her was visiting from california and he played in a band called cali consciousness his name is justin and he was playing at the poi poo 
Beach Athletic Club that night and invited her. Why don't you come see me at the club? So then she was like, this thing happened to me today and I'm going to go see him. And if you want to come, I was like, that'd be great. So I go and see him and he's playing by himself with a guitar and backing tracks and a djembe. And somebody told him that I played djembe and he was like, well, if you want to sit in. And I was just like, this is great. <laughs> and then I sat in and played with him for probably an hour. That's the kind of spirit of aloha and ohana that touches me in a way that says, I want to live in a place where magic like that happens. And and he was joking all night because we sounded great together. He was like, we've been rehearsing for months. We'd never met. But that kind of synergy came mm -hmm. together like that because I knew that this was a good guy who did a good deed that day mm -hmm. and I was happy to play with him and support. So that's the kind of thing that's just happening and that I believe and that this Shakti, is it called? Shaka. Shaka. <laughs> the idea that we go with the flow and, you know, I've had some challenges and airplanes and other things that happen, but I watch even in the airport, if you were in L.A. and your plane was delayed by two hours, there would be people standing at the counter mm -hmm. harassing the the people working there, and they don't have any control. They can't make that flight leave any earlier. But the vibe was so high that people were like, just deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Just you're here. You're on an island. It's not a whole lot you can do about it. You can sit here with it and be pleasant or you can sit here with it and be unhappy the choice is yours are you gonna go with the flow and we just i just watch people going with the flow and that's so who i am i i love it i really do and folks like you that are like gentle and kind and sweet and vulnerable and open and honest and real you know la is the it's la la land it's it's the land of people who are pretending to be something and someone that they're not trying to find out who they are and trying to fit in wherever they can fit in. Mm -hmm. And here people are fitting in their skin as far as I'm concerned. That doesn't, and, you know, I, I may be a little naive only having been here twice, but I was in the community. I was in the neighborhoods. I was in the places where people were and the general feeling tone is one of, peace and love and harmony and respect and 
kindness. Yeah. I don't hear any harm. I'm sure it happens, but you know, and all the time I've been here, I don't hear people laying on their horns. I was in Kauai and somebody fell asleep at a stop sign and the people behind them just waited. Do you know what I mean? I've been and, there before. And they're, they're, <laughs> you know, again, if you're in LA or New York, bah, bah, what's your problem? What are you doing? Get out of the way. I got some place to go. And so here it's like, uh, people didn't, didn't seem too pressed. And I can just appreciate and respect that. So, and that's who I am. I don't want people to be uptight. And uh, my daughter's here with me on this trip because when I shared with her, and she's she's an adult, she's 29, that I was thinking about moving to Hawaii, I think part of her was concerned like, oh, my dad went on this trip and now he's like lost his mind. And so she wanted to come check it out. But I think being here, she gets why I in particular would want to be here. And so many people are like, dude, you so have the the hawaii vibe yeah you that know. uh so <laughs> laid back so then i see tourists on the beach and they go excuse me can I? and i go i don't live here you're not a local no i'm not a local i i don't live here i'm visiting like you but now i know where some stuff is so i can direct them but i haven't been here much longer than they've been here Somebody said, is, are the waves usually this high? And I was like, you know what? They're particularly high right now in Poipu <laughs> because I've been here before and I haven't seen them that big. The idea that uh, in Kauai in particular, turtles come up and take a, a nap at night. They go to bed on the beach. Mm -hmm. And then in the morning, they get up and go get back into the ocean but that there are a couple of signs, but that people aren't harassing them. That's the place they're coming to go to sleep at night. So there will be a few people out there that will take pictures, but there are gentle signs that say, keep a safe distance. Not that they're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt, but how about you not like touch them and contaminate them and just respect them having a place to sleep? Like You wouldn't want them coming in your room, so leave them alone. Don't you don't have to pick all the flowers. You don't have to take shells home with you. Leave it alone. It's beautiful and it's pristine and it's meant for you and others to enjoy. You know, you should definitely go to Molokai one day. Yeah, that's where Lehula's from. Oh, really? Yeah, she's from there. And it's uh, if you love Kauai, it's more country than Kauai. I've heard that. And uh, I think her family has like a giant farm there but she can take you around like she goes there every few months and it's it's so funny you look at like how cheap it is just to go from island to island it's so cheap yeah <laughs> yeah i understand Kauai. is that the oldest island or the first one to surface in the chain the first one and then i believe molokai maui big island lanai and getting the other island. This one. Well, no, no, this this one. But I think this is the youngest. Because oh. there's oh, what is the name of it? This is bad. I grew up here. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the one that you can't go to unless you have an invitation to the island. Oh wow! And I've never been to Maui. And I have friends here now from LA who came out to spend a month 
with their family. They brought the whole family to mm-hmm. Maui. And then they saw that I was thinking about moving to Hawaii. And they were like, gee, guess what? We just signed a lease. <laughs> like We were just coming for the summer, but now we've signed a lease and we will be moving and relocating as of September. Now, I have, I have business and a house and a bunch of other stuff. I can't make the move that fast. And I have some commitments. But the long-term goal, which, you know, a year or two, is to relocate. And again, having gotten film and television representation today in Honolulu, that's huge. We'll see over the next year if I can get work on camera as well as the voiceover stuff. And if that happens, that's going to accelerate the move to come over here. I was going to say, too... um... So one thing I get from a lot of people from the mainland, like when they're on social media, because you know, I think we've had a conversation about that before. People should take a break from social media yeah. sometimes. Um, a lot of people will message me and they'll be like, oh, how come you're not up in arms about this or that, you know, the gaming or tech or the world or nationwide? And I tell them, when you're in Hawaii, you're kind of in your own stratosphere. Like it's, you're here. Yeah. And like you're detached and it's, it can be a good or bad thing. But yeah. But I don't think everybody needs to take on every problem in the world. Yes. I think there are enough people involved in all of these causes that being here, you can focus on, what matters here. And that's not to say that the other stuff doesn't matter because clearly it does. But I, as you said, it can be a good or bad thing, but I think it's a good thing not to be wrapped up in every trend and every cause that's happening on the mainland because it changes like the wind. Like Just the, like that. Today, <laughs> aren't, aren't we, and, and if we got concerned and up in arms about everything that CNN and Fox News, that's all we would be doing mm-hmm. all the time. We'd be, what is the next thing? And, oh, we can't believe that. And uh, I love the fact that I know to you guys the COVID case numbers are high, but think about what they are compared to not only the rest of the country, but the rest of the world. And being on an island, sort of trapped where you can't get away, and somehow you guys have done a fairly decent job of keeping the numbers relatively low and the vaccination rates relatively high. I think that's to be celebrated. Yeah. And in the end of the day, we're in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's gorgeous. It's, yeah. it's 82 degrees every day and um, there's a little rain and then the rain passes and then you go to some beautiful beach and some beautiful place and some beautiful people and some tasty malasadas it's like oh oh (laughs) to die for did you get a chance to go to uh kahala beach the one right down the street oh you gotta go there okay you gotta gotta check it out it's incredibly beautiful um there's not a lot of people that go there Hmm. it's uh near the i think the kahala hotel but it's literally Five minutes that way, and it's just, yeah. oh my goodness. I mean, I've seen some (laughs) 
some pristine beaches and some incredible golf courses with views of the ocean from peaks and valleys and holes like, uh, uh, so I bring my clubs every time. Did you get to play at the one right down here? No, I played when I was here at Royal Hawaiian, Oh, that's which cool. was a big yeah. fancy. I mean, the, just the ride from the first hole to the second hole, I think is what it was. It was like a trip through the rainforest and there were like these beautiful trees and it's wet and it's green and it's just like am i still on the golf course <laughs> and then to come out on the other side like yeah so i i always bring my golf clubs and this time i brought my djembe so i'll do some more drumming back in hawaii tomorrow and saturday and then i'll be here until next week yeah, i have a show i'm in a show right now in la i'm in a shakespeare production of Julius Caesar that's getting great reviews and my pictures in the paper and I really just play the narrator and the soothsayer but it's reminding people that what happened back then there's some mirror images in terms of the Roman Empire and the American Republic and mm -hmm. how we lose our minds sometimes and forget that we're supposed to be supporting one another and we start fighting yeah. sometimes over nothing. So I'm here for another week, but, you know, I'll get back there and do that. And, you know, I play a little golf. I do a little drumming. I do a little speaking. I do a little Shakespeare. And I do a lot of voiceover. It's a good life. It's a great life. And you've done, like, like every time I hear, like, a commercial on the radio or, you know, anything from microsoft or xbox or playstation <laughs> or nintendo i'm like i hear a deep baritone voice i'm like is that gerald he was like I think that's gerald. <laughs> so the great thing about voiceover is nobody has to know it's you yeah. and you're able to use a couple of different voices so they don't automatically know they go hey is that him i'd love that nobody has to know it's you and yet you're getting paid all the time yeah so so that begs the question how how are you able to do so much amazing work in voiceover and not let it like go? Because I know you're not an egotistic person, but like some people get so wrapped up in I'm a voice actor. I do this. I do that. You're the most mellow voice actor with no ego whatsoever. I've met some that have. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Opposite of what I thought you were. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's cool. You see you. <laughs> I think one of the things is it is a delicate balance. And as an actor and an artist and making a living at this, you know, there were times when I was hungry. There mm -hmm. were times when I sold candles or sold CPR training or sold mattresses to do whatever I had to do to make a living, to take care of my kids, to help them get through college, to help them with whatever they needed and um i recognize it could be it could be taken away in an instant you know something could happen to your voice or the the people that you love and work with could dry up but i think what's helped me have longevity is healthy relationships mm -hmm. so the people that i was working with today out of dc we've done a bunch of political ads and again nobody in dc knows who that guy is doing these ads and it's okay with me but the same people keep coming back number one because i'm effective at my job mm -hmm. like when i go into the booth you know we've got 
two hours. I want to get it done in less than an hour. I want to get it done in 17 to 22 minutes if we can. So I've been working and I'm still working at my craft and on my craft so that when I get a job, I really give the the clients what they're asking for. The other thing is you can't have ego and attachment to your creative choices. So for example, if I'm thinking I've got just the right voice and pitch and character and tone for this spot or this character, and then you get there and they go, we want to try something a little different. If you're so married to that, then that's hard to do. But when you're like, Etch-a-Sketch, we'll just shake that off and present something new. And the idea that you can keep presenting new ideas and different choices that's exciting for me do you know so i want to keep that part fresh like a child almost like this sense of wonder and here's another opportunity oh you want me to do it differently i'll just do it differently oh you want it deeper do you know what i mean (laughs) you want it sexy do you know whatever it is that they're asking for but i recognize that it is delicate i think the other thing is I meet people all the time and they go, I recognize your voice, but I don't know from what, or I saw a lady in the airport here and she, they immediately say, you know, what are you doing here? And what do you do for a living? I say, I'm an actor. And then they go, well, have I seen you anything? And I go, I doubt it. And they go, what kind of acting do you do? And I go, mostly voiceover. And immediately without fail, half the people say, I've always been curious about that, and I think I could do voiceover. I th- I've been told I have a good voice, and I tease them sometimes. I say, you mean you've been told you have a, a voice for radio, I mean, a face for radio? And um, <laughs> they don't always get that, but uh, the idea that so many people think they could do this with no training, with no skill, with no equipment, without representation, with the, they just think, oh, I could do that, anybody could do that. Because of that, that also keeps me humble because there's a bunch of people out there and some of them could, but here's the difference. Anybody can book a job, Mm -hmm. but it takes a talent that's experienced and trained to have a career. So these people could book one job. They, you know, they, they could fall over and like, oh, there's a voiceover job and it's for me. But to be doing this long-term 10, 20 years, that takes a commitment and and work. And I don't ever get to rest on my laurels. Sure, there's, you know, Mortal Kombat and, and, and Final Fantasy and Street Fighter and StarCraft and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, but those jobs are all done. You're only as good as your last job. And in my opinion, you're only as good as your next job. So I'm waiting and vying for the next job. And this huge campaign in Florida to get people to stop smoking has been almost a miracle. Like my agents say sometimes, we thought this was going to be a public service announcement and there would have been one or two spots. Well, 10 years later, I'm still going, quit (laughs) smoking today, tobaccofreeflorida.com. And now... uh, no yolks noodles as a campaign you're doing that i'm doing that um uh whatever you're into do it with no spicy nudes <laughs> and they're on um uh pandora mm-hmm. and a bunch of commercials all over the place and then you know when microsoft called 
um, for this spot with Shroud. That was interesting to me because we did the audition and uh, they said, we want you to come in, which is unusual for a voice actor to have to go in. Like, why do you need me to come in? And so they were like, we want to see you. We want to put something on camera. Okay, okay. And then they go, they then told me, well, we want, you to be in the spot mm -hmm. as yourself. Why am I still up? I'm the voiceover actor. Can we cut? This is the headline. Guys. This is the logo. And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> and really what helped with that was the fact that some of the games they were promoting, I had voices in those games for Xbox for PC. So it was like a perfect fit for everybody but the ego has to be left at the door. Like I went back and forth with Disney, not on uh, Wreck-It Ralph, but on The Lion Guard. And then there was another project, Doctor Strange. And in many of these instances, you go before one casting director, you go before the, the network, you go before the producer, you go before the director. And at some point you think it's just a voice like, how many people have to sign off on this thing for it to, for me to get paid to do it? And uh, you just never know. So you just keep showing up and doing your job. Ego and attitude are the enemy of success, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you you can you can be confident in your work and know I might not get this job, but I did the best that I could do, and I had fun doing it, and. Um, you just never know when the party's going to be over. So yeah. you, in my opinion, it's better for me to stay humble and to be grateful for every single job. And that seems to get me other jobs. I mean, people like working with me because I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm efficient. And dare I say, I'm a cool dude. You do you know what I mean? And they go, what are you working on now? Do you, what? You're, doing <laughs> what? you're doing drumming? What? You're working with kids? What? You're working with special needs kids? What? You're drumming at a church on a Saturday afternoon, teaching the congregants how to have uh, a, a social setting with social distancing so that they can still connect with one another. And they go, that's just really cool. Every time we turn, like, did I just see your picture in the papers? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's do this. Let's do this. So we just, we keep it humble and we keep it grateful. And I got my daughter into the business now. She's working on it. She just did something for uh, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union have a book series called Shady Baby. And mm -hmm. She kept saying, you know, Dad, I really want to try this. So she's now booked a couple of things herself. Nothing huge, but I'm trying to instill in her Keep the ego at the door and do your work. Yeah. And if you keep doing good work and if you do what you love, someone will love what you do. I believe that. I'm doing what I love and somewhere somebody loves what I do. One job at a time. One job at a time. But enough jobs to send me back and forth to Hawaii at my <laughs> So, So there's a couple conventions that we do have out here. Uh, we got uh, Amazing Comic Con, uh, Hawaii Con, and uh, regular Comic Con. And uh, it's just to name a few. So I know you recently did one. Well, I say recently. Like yeah. two years. Yeah. Been... I mean, we were just getting into the circuit yeah. when COVID hit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have, I have a team, and we're going to see if those things come back here live. 
I'm going to do everything I can to be here for them. Especially here. Like, that's just like, well, like now I got to go back to Hawaii. <laughs> you know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. I got to go to Hawaii and get paid to be at the Comic-Con. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to uh, David Hayter earlier this year oh, yeah. about that, and he was, he said, I'd love to do a con in Hawaii. I'm like, I know the folks. It's just, <laughs> it's just the, this, this whole COVID thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. I think Hayter wound up in, uh, because we, we hung out a couple of times. He wound up taking his family to Australia. There was a big con in Australia. And I mm-hmm. think he was there for six days and took his entire family so that they could, like, hang out in the outback. That was awesome. So, no, I was just getting into learning about that world and doing a couple of conventions when this thing happened and yeah. everything came to a screeching halt. Well, fingers crossed, and yeah. <clears throat> as we say out here, good mana willing, mm-hmm. it uh, clears up sooner rather than later, and then we can get you out to all the conventions. Yeah. You're going to be like, I'm tired of going to conventions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, right now they're still very fresh and new to me, so I, I know some guys get tired of it, but I would love it. And I sat on a panel with uh, Hater and it Cam Clark. Ken Clark, that's who it was. Yeah. Yeah, the three of us were on a panel, but I had a blast. Mm-hmm. And people had great questions, and you they you aren't always who they think you're going to be, and uh, they are interested and curious, and I'm grateful to be there. So winding down to the last question because I know it's late, and we both got to get to bed. Cause... Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get on a plane in the morning and go back to the other island. <laughs> so, um. What got you into drumming? I know you're very passionate about that. You know, um, as an actor, I went to uh, a conference in Black Mountain, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching a course called An Alternative Approach to Acting because people were taking these very conventional methods. And this was an alternative approach it was really about what was going on inside. It wasn't Stanislavski. It wasn't making you think about your dead dog in order to get you to cry, but it was making those emotions real mm-hmm. in in different ways to get you there. What's going to get me there? What's going to get me laughing? What's going to get me crying? What's going to get me romantic? And um, there was a drum circle and I, these people were playing and I was just, I'd, I'd seen them before, but I'd never played at one. And I was just like intrigued and enthralled. So there was this woman, I remember she had dreads down her back and she said, uh, you want to play here, play. And I said, I've never played before. I, I don't know. You know, I'm in my twenties and, and I'm in my fifties now. So she let me sit down and play. She let me sit down and play, and I must have played for the next three and a half to four hours, like nonstop. When I got up, my hands were bleeding, no cuts from the pores. So my hands had swollen, and I was banging on this drum and squeezing blood from places where there were no actual cuts because it was that swollen. And there was this white fur, because they usually use goat skin on a lot of these djembes, mm-hmm. and I had stained this fur with my blood, and I felt horrible. 
And I looked at the woman like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't notice. And she was like, don't worry about it, honey. She was like, you just blessed my drum and my drum blessed you. And now you've been baptized by blood. You will forever be a drummer. I was like, well, I don't know about all that. I had a good time, but I don't know about all that. A month later, maybe two months later, uh, African an African ballet came to Atlanta. I was living in Atlanta. And they came to Georgia Tech, and the theater company I was working for sponsored them. And then I heard them play, and I watched them dance, and I bought my first drum, which I still own to this day. My daughter was this big, banging on that drum. And then some time passed, and then uh, whenever I heard about people playing, I would get a drum, and I would go and sit and play. So I've never actually taken a lesson in my life. I just listen and play, even here tonight. I know the names of many traditional West African rhythms. Some of them, I don't know the name of them, but I know that rhythm. And you start playing it, I'll play with you. So I was playing, playing, playing every time I got a chance. And then I would go, people would say, you play drums, will you come to my house for a drum circle? And I would go, and nobody there would be able to play. And it was just like, you guys, how do you have a drum circle? And nobody, and they were like, that's why we invited you. And I was just like, I just want to play with everybody else. And I began to express my frustration about showing up places where nobody knew how to play. And they were hoping everybody else did. And somebody said to me, if you want people to know how to play, you might have to teach them. And I took on one student who was a friend from Australia, like, a middle-aged white woman from Australia, like learned to play and learned to play really well. And then there was another student and I had to tell people, okay, guys, you want to take classes from me, but I've never taken a class. The traditional way to learn West African drumming is to have a master drummer and that person teaches you and you stay with them for years. And that person learned from somebody else in this lineage. And I sat down in Lamert Park to play with these guys and they were all master drummers and they look and they were like, well, who's your teacher? I was like, I don't have a teacher. And I, I guess God is my teacher. So then I discovered the power of these drums, and sort of the magic and the spirit that lived in them. And part of what happened was I would watch people play and I would go, you're having problems at work. You're having problems in your relationship. You're having problems with your finance. And like your left hand is representing a part of you that is underexpressed and mm -hmm. underrepresented in you. And they people would just start <clears throat> crying. Like, how would you know that? We've been playing for a few minutes. And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that was even a thing. But the, the djembe in particular, it's a resonator it's a vibrator it's an amplifier it's an inanimate object sitting by itself you start to touch it the way you play is going to be different than the way i play than the way that anybody else played even if they're in the same class with the same teacher you can play the same rhythm but no two people are going to play that same rhythm the exact same way and so i used to have these huge drum circles at my house 150 people in the yard and I could tell, I could walk around the circle like this, this guy or this lady, they don't know what they're doing. So I would walk over near them and play. And it's like, how can you hear 150 people and know who's off? Like everybody just sounds like, goom, 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 goom. Um, and I was like, I don't know. So from that, 
somebody was at a drum circle at my house and said, my roommate works for a school and they had a drum teacher and he's on tour as a percussionist and they need somebody to fill in for two weeks. And so I go to the school and they don't have gym bass. They have circus drums. They have preschool drums. They have like buckets. And so then I borrow djembe's from my friends and take them in and then one of the friends borrowed djembe's from somebody else to give to me and so that guy and i know I'm, I'm babbling on but i am passionate about it that guy wanted to meet me who is it that wants to borrow my drums all the time like every week he's borrowing my drums to take to a school and he said i want to go see what he's doing with them and his name is mata and we've been in business together ever since he came to the school saw the work that I was doing with kids, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and said, you know, Rivas, you are doing magnificent work. And he said, uh, I'm going to make sure that you have brand new uh, gem base for all of your students. And he came through on that promise and got drums for those kids. And then that program expanded. More kids wanted to be involved. And there was a waiting list for kids to get into my class. And like, I was supposed to fill in for this guy for two weeks. I've been there for 10 years. And so then I noticed that I could use drumming to teach life lessons with kids and to instill discipline and pride and creativity. So we built a a troupe called the Peace Player Drummers. They wear these shirts that say peace, love, and positivity whenever they go out and play and they promote peace, love, and positivity whenever they go. And these kids are incredible. And very few of them are African-American or of African descent, but they're playing traditional West African rhythms. Mm -hmm. And people are like, your kids are being taken over by African spirits because the kids are sitting there and playing and then they'll go like this and they're gone. And they're just, they're, their hands are doing things that I didn't even teach them, but that's the way I learned. My hands were doing things that nobody ever taught me. The primary rule is you listen more than you play. Mm-hmm. You trust yourself and you take risks. That's how we grow. So all of these things are analogous to life. If you listen more than you play in life, we say to kids often, you play too much. It's not that they play too much, it's that they don't listen enough. So the more you listen, the more you can play. You want to play more? Listen more. You know, and then keep that ratio up there. And your instincts are probably right. So trust yourself and take risks from time to time. All of those things apply to both drumming and to life. So then this guy says, hey, Whenever you need drums, you let me know. So then I started importing drums from Senegal, West Africa, and sending the proceeds from the sale of those drums back to the village in Senegal, where they're all handmade, no machines, organic cotton robe, traditional approach, unique carvings. No two drums are alike. Some have furs, some don't. Some have piping or this additional threading. And um, and I'll, I'll finish with this. Last year for Halloween, Honda in Southern California has a program called the Helpful Honda Dealers of Southern California and their random acts of helpfulness. Mm -hmm. During COVID, the kids were having to play and take classes with me online via Zoom and most of them didn't have drums. And this program that we took all this time building was dying because the kids weren't in school. So I approached Honda and said, will you get drums for all my kids and they said yes 
and they bought wow. 25 brand new drums. I won't even tell you how much it cost, but they had them shipped directly from my guy in Senegal. And um, we surprised the kids on Halloween. The Honda people in their fancy blue shirts came marching into the uh, theater with brand new drums from Senegal. And so I understand that these things are powerful and that they're meaningful and that they're significant and that they can change lives. I have interviews with kids who say, I was failing and I wanted to be a part of this program. And Mr. Rivers told me the only way I could be involved is one, had to stop fighting, couldn't get suspended anymore. And I had to bring my grades up and be respectful in class. And so these I have parents, I'm getting chills. I have parents who come to me and say, I don't know what you did, but my child was like the demon child. And now because he wants to play drums, he's like cleaning up, he's being respectful. And, and, and he's asking, can I go with Mr. Rivers to this event? Can we play at the park? Can we play at the college? Can we play at the church? Can we play at the festival? Can we play at a farm? So now I've got, four or five different schools. I've got charter schools. I've got private schools. I've got home schools. And then we found out the program worked for kids with special needs. Wow. So they, you know, uh, otherwise weren't socially uh, melding with other students. And then we put them in this program and all of a sudden those students embraced them and kids who were sort of outcast, the other students see them playing these drums and playing really fast and really well. And they, they're thanking me, their parents are thanking me for allowing them to be received by their peers because they have a special skill that none of their friends do. So I know that there's power in the djembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, there's power in the djembe. And the kids hear them and they hear these resonators and they hear them making lots of noise and i tell them we don't just make noise we have to make music we have to play together and it's a community and it's a, a, a tribe and it's a circle and that we succeed together and we make our brothers and sisters problems our problems mm -hmm. i mean it goes in with my sort of approach and philosophy but it presents a very tangible way for people to come together and the word djembe literally translates as let's come together in peace wow and it's in the shape of a goblet like we would all be drinking from the same cup of joy so to speak mm -hmm. let's come together and so i I've, I've been playing ever since man move to hawaii already <laughs> <laughs> i'm coming and there is a, a west african drumming dance community both here and in Kauai and in Maui. So I am among friends. Definitely. You know, and it's just, I know you say you're not local. You're local, man. <laughs> like you, you embody the Aloha spirit, which is very real. I know there's the commercialization you see on like all the pamphlet yeah. and all the promotional stuff, but like when you honestly get the chance to experience Aloha spirit, it, you get it. Yeah. Like, it, it's hard to put into words what it is, but it's... I think it is beyond words. Yeah. I mean, that's why they have that one word that, like, oh, it's this thing. But there's no way one word could encompass what aloha really represents and really means. It's, it's meant to be felt and not just spoken.
this is um, one of the the like uh, my wife and I we started well Lehu and I we started a brand called Aloha Build, and a lot of people have been asking us like, oh, well, why is that Aloha Build? Because you understand it, yeah. You know, it's just that's how we were raised, mm-hmm. and it's we try to go out with everything with Aloha. We try to treat everyone as family, yeah. and it's. Oh man, it it takes over you. And, you know, I don't know. Aside from here, um, if you ever get the chance to go to Samoa, very similar to here, um, it's called Alofa. Alofa? Alofa. So it's very much the same spirit. And it's, I feel like it carries throughout the the islands, but I've never really experienced it anywhere else. Mm. You know, and it's it's one of a kind. Yeah. So, with that being said, is there anything you want to leave the, the audience with before we go? Um, this dude is the coolest. <laughs> this dude is the best. <laughs> this dude is the real deal. So, check him out and follow him and support him because we want to lift up people like him so that this kind of work continues. Hey, I greatly appreciate it. And make sure you go and follow Gerald on all social media platforms. I'll leave a link to everything down in the description below of the podcast in both video and audio format. Again, shout out to uh, Melon App for sponsoring this podcast. So as Rock App for providing all this numerous gear that I, I need to have a studio for to <laughs> utilize. Uh, we're utilizing the Rocket Torch uh, ma- uh, microphone, which is really amazing. If you want to pick one up, I'll leave a link for that down below. But uh, with that being said, Gerald, it's always an honor having you Mahalo. around. Mahalo for coming Indeed. on the show again. And for, wait, a key to the house? I got a key to the house. To the house. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He is. He, he is. <laughs> Literally, like your, your family. So Thank you, bro. Um, definitely when the baby gets old enough, we're going to get her on the gym bay too. You're okay. here. Cause you let me know when she's ready, and I'll get one over here for her. Lehua says she's going to handle sports. She's like, Mikhail, you can teach her guitar and bass, and hey, you can teach her the gym Uncle bay. G will teach her the gym <laughs> Yeah, so with that being said, we're wrapping up. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're watching this or if you're listening to it, it's available on all podcasting outlets. Well, uh, I forgot what we're on. It's been so long since I've done this. <laughs> but we're on every podcasting outlet, and uh, we uh, hope to see you all again later. So uh, with that being said, mahalo for listening and watching, and aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope it was informative, engaging, and you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It greatly helps out the podcast and helps the platforms that we're on. Go ahead and promote us more so that more people can check it out. And if you're wondering what all platforms we're on, aside from what you've listened to it on, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. And if you want to support the podcast, then we've got Patreon. So patreon.com slash Mikhail Casanova, which allows us to continue doing what we're doing. If you're looking for this in video format, we're also available on twitch.tv slash Mikhail Casanova, as well as youtube.com slash Mikhail Casanova. So with all that being said, I'll catch you on the next episode of Hawaii's number one podcast and the number one podcast in the Pacific, the Casanova podcast. You have a great day and I'll see you. 
the next one.